Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Full Pelt Music Podcast. Shortly we'll be chatting with Asylums about their new album Signs of Life. But before then, the usual reminders from myself. If you would, please do follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And if you would, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, whatever you're watching or listening. Well, welcome Luke from Asylums to the Full Pelt Music Podcast. Absolutely delighted to have you here. How are you doing on this fine day? I think I'm okay. It was an early start today with my son. And uh, yeah, at one point I was begging for him to put his shoes on. He's a, a very, very young. So uh, yeah, no. Um, and then just uh, into headfirst into music shenanigans all day. Uh, some creative, some logistical. Um, I'm definitely better at the first. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I sympathise with, uh, you know, getting children i've got two young children myself getting them to put their shoes on and get out the door for school in the morning is just a nightmare isn't it <laughs> uh, i'm yet to i'm yet to find uh the correct strategy i don't think there is one <laughs> um yeah so obviously you know in general it's an exciting time for yourself and obviously your, your bandmates you know asylum are literally about to put out your fourth album within the next week or so so you know just talk to me about how yeah, what emotions are going through your, your mind in the lead up to that release? Um, well, this is the fourth Asylums album. So, uh, you know, I've kind of had a few goes at it and we <laughs> run our own label, Cool Thing Records as well. Um, me and my uh, uh, good friend, Mike, and uh, who also plays in the band. And I believe that you interviewed uh, for his project, Bait, in which we I did. play bass and he sings. So, um um, yeah, kind of, uh, and, and obviously Hayley works at Label and all of the people that we're working with in the team um, who are wonderful and I love all of them. Um, so I feel supp like supported. Uh, we had a band practice last night, which is fun. And I still haven't got over the sort of like immense gratitude to even just be able to do that. Um, yeah, and I probably never will um, have because ha it has been so difficult over the last few years to even do that. So I'm feeling happy. Um, uh, I am a sensitive soul, so I have good days and bad days with it. And um, today's a good day, and we're just plowing on. Uh, reviews are coming in. I read a nice one last night, which was nine out of ten. When I couldn't sleep, got out of bed, went downstairs, had a glass of milk, stared at the wall for a bit, turned my phone back on, which is always a bad move uh, when you can't sleep. Um, but yeah, you know, there's a nice review came in, and you know, I always appreciate it when a writer takes the time to to, to give anything that we've done um you know just their opinions good or bad so um you know it was a good one though so that felt good yeah no the good ones always are going to feel better than the, the bad ones aren't they for sure but i think i've already written the bad ones in my head yeah <laughs> and that's it and uh, you know a lot of musicians i talk to do exactly the same thing um so um obviously you know the album is uh is almost with us it's called signs of life um it's the as you say the fourth album from the band asylums um yeah what should listeners you know that are familiar with the band and your previous work what should they expect from this release um do you know what i never know what um anyone will make about music but from a personal perspective you know um the first one probably has a special place in most people that like the man's hearts because it for a lot of people it's how they came to know uh, know us and it was a very sort of focused almost like never mind the bollocks type record which was sort of intentionally one-dimensional and quite toxic looking and all those things 
Um, and that's what we wanted it to be. And then we didn't want to just like do a carbon copy of that on the second record. So we purposely took uh, the decision um, to to really like experiment. And, you know, we kind of were like, it doesn't matter if it doesn't work because, you know, the the world probably won't miss us that much if it doesn't work. So we, we kind of made a, uh, a kind of science fiction infused um, space rock record for our second record, which some people prefer, and but a lot of people probably were like, "What?" <laughs> you know. So, but we, we, you know, that record uh, sort of started a process that got us to where we're on now, where we were able to like bring in some slower songs, you know, some more experimental types of songs, and gave us a little bit of confidence that um, we could broaden um, out musically because we all like a lot of really different music. Um, and then with the third record, we kind of like wanted, because we recorded with Steve Albini on the third record, who we like love, um, you know, you know, his body of work, both as an artist and yeah. as, um, and as a, uh, you know, a kind of recording engineer um, and just a general presence in music. Um, so that was kind of like an opportunity to like strip it down to like the bare bones of what the band is, you know, when it play, when we play together in a room. And we've always been quite fortunate with the band that we have good chemistry in that in that regard. So, so it was nice to sort of capture some of that uh, with a big room and you know be able to play at the same time as one another. And it was done very quickly. Um, and and so we didn't want to repeat that. So, no. given the circumstances, you know, we were in the pandemic when we were promoting that record, and so um, I know personally, my mind was drifting towards bands that i love that had had periods where they didn't play live and made records um you know like the most obvious first thing that came into my mind was like automatic for the people and like out of time by rem and i love rem and when i was very young i read their biography um i can't remember i don't think it's necessarily even an official one or anything but it kind of taught me about that IRS years and all these yeah. records that led up to that moment and how great those IRS records are songs wise and stuff. But then they took this opportunity um, to like step back from live and to sort of explore their multi-instrumental capabilities because they can all play different things in that band. And it's the same in asylums. So it kind of the seed was there to maybe try and make a studio record um, one because of the circumstances but two because we wanted to and maybe bring in you know uh henry can write strings um you know and you know i play piano and drums too you know not that i play drums in the record but you know we were we were yeah. all mike plays guitar jazz can play keyboard and we were kind of we were just keen to see what we could do um by bro like broadening out our sort of musical parameters as a unit and um and then, so I spoke to Dave Aringa, uh, who is a good friend of ours, uh, all of ours, um, and we've known him for many years, about maybe doing something at Rockfield where we could still be in the same room and record together, but we would have the, you know, ability to use some of their equipment, first and foremost, some of his equipment, because none of us are blessed with, a you know, a great deal of, uh, <laughs> you know, funds in that regard. I mean, if you want to lose money, you start a record label. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that, you know, in, you know, in all seriousness, like we needed his help to be able to, you know, find suitable uh, string quartet to play. And he has a good relationship with, with with not only us, but with Rockfield too. 
And so, we, you know, little by little, we were able to put together like a scenario to execute, you know, what we were hoping to do, which was just that more studio-based record with broader musical parameters. And um, the lyrical sentiment of the album came later. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, firstly, yeah, I, I completely echo the love for R.E.M. Uh, just an incredible band all around. And Michael Stipe's autobiography is still one of the best reads, you know, from a musical you know, um, icon sort of autobiography point of view that I've ever read. Um, and yeah, you know, working with Dave Ringer uh, at Rockfield Studios, you know, and obviously, you know, the, the artists that he's worked with before, I mean, the two that you know I know him for are, are Manic Street Preachers and Idlewild. You know, again, two absolutely fantastic bands. Um, yeah. And you know, all of these bands that we're mentioning, you know, bands that you know have really added you know new dimensions to their sound as they've progressed. And I think that's something that I've identified with uh, Signs of Life. You know, for yourselves as well. And obviously, you know, it's in interesting to hear you instantly mention you know the the strings and everything, and you know, adding that to the sound um so our review will be coming out very soon um and it's a really really positive one hopefully you'll find it as well um Thank so you. Uh, you know everyone listening to this podcast you know obviously definitely as the album comes out you need to be checking it out um and you know a completely different experience as you say from recording with steve albani in chicago to obviously you know rockfield studios um you know both legendary you know uh producers and studios to work in but you know an interesting tidbit i've seen mentioned as you recorded in the same room as uh you know a lot of legendary artists have recorded but you know the one that's been picked is obviously a yeah, queen recorded bohemian rhapsody in the room you recorded in so you know it, did that add you know some kind of you know weight and pressure you know to what to your output from there mm, well i think you know we're record nerds that's the number one thing about this band you know and i think being in, in a band is just a result of being music nerds uh, <laughs> you know, for us it, um you probably can tell i don't think if if you were trying to select a rock star uh from a lineup i don't think i'd get picked i'm not sure any, <laughs> maybe jazz might because he's super cool on stage and stuff and maybe maybe you know maybe might but certainly not me um so we kind of always try to um put experiences in the life of the band that um will be enjoyable on, as a music fan so um you know like yeah it is cool to think that it had so much history in that room um but more so on a fan level than yeah. anything that would be affecting uh, the artistic nature of what we were doing because when we're doing that um we're quite an efficient um band uh, like everything is quite you know sort of planned uh and a lot of that has to do with like our budgetary restraints we don't like to muck about we like to experiment but we don't like to muck about and waste time because we simply can't afford to um because we run our own record company out of, and out of choice we do things that way so that we can um participate in music in a way that um accommodates our personal situations and stuff and we don't we, we don't want to tour extensively um but we like playing live it's a very difficult thing to explain we have yeah. it's not there's no absolutely no negative connotations about touring for other you know when we you know kind of just look at it as a thing but for us as individual people it's just not quite the right fit for us to spend a lot of time away from home you know there's family reasons but there's also kind of like you know we like to maintain good mental health and friendship uh, in the in the ranks which you know when you're living in a pressure cooker yeah. you know you know with no sleep and just rolling around you know 
it can be difficult and we've all done it but like our intentions um have just like you know mutated through the years and i think like it starts with friendship uh the second thing is we want to really make a great body of work as a band and we really enjoy spending time with each other and um and so when we were at rockfield it because of the pandemic it was you know <clears throat> i would say like it was something that kept us going um and we never quite knew even up to the week before if it would be possible because things would change the situation yeah. with lockdowns and things and you know we just hoped um and kept planning and chugging away pr preparing and we got to do it and when we got there i certainly didn't walk through the door thinking i was the next freddie mercury it was quite a quiet quite a, a gentle regrouping for us all um felt like a real tonic after being in the house for so long to just be in the countryside it's quiet there you know there were cows walking around and we were having breakfast together and i think consciously or unconsciously that's what i wanted to do that uh, uh i wanted to do it at that location for because i thought it would be firstly a contrast to going to chicago yeah. it would probably produce a different outcome from that environment and uh, they're contrasting environments and they're intentionally contrasting records in terms of like the intrinsic na nature of the songs and stuff so all in all that was really the kind of design for it you know and the and, and the reasoning for it and, and it really just was one of the most joyous and beautiful experiences that, that i think any of us have had you know to, just as friends and as uh, musical collaborators you know um, and just you know just the scenery as well and yeah beautiful um, that was, you know, the cows were impressive as any rock and roll uh, history. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, you, it's, uh, it is a beautiful place, you know, and uh, yeah, you, you think of the uh, artists, you know, the, the various cows over the years have seen come in and out of there. Um, it, it's incredible uh, history. Yeah. Um, so their own documentary. They should. They definitely should. Um, yeah. Justice for the cows. We need that documentary out. <laughs> <we need. laughs> um, obviously, yeah. Um, it's been a, a tough few years, as you as you say, with the pandemic and everything. And obviously, you know, a lot of bands that I've spoken to uh, were in the same situation as yourselves, where you know you've ended up having to put out an album during um, those difficult years. Um, and uh, you know, the relief of, of you know um, getting to do this and record and put it out is, is clear to see um, with you. Um, you know. Uh, general sort of you know conversation piece you know with a lot of artists i have is about you know the the impact of not being able to tour the records and obviously not be able to properly um sort of uh obviously advertise it and get out there through through that promote it is the word i'm looking for get out and promote the uh album you know, on the road but you know, as you say you know asylums uh in in recent years in particular you know obviously you know play live shows and you get out and about and you know and put on some great shows but obviously as you say touring isn't necessarily built into um the routine um and you, know, you do seem to have you know actually you know a note in it in the you sort of my research for the the podcast you've actually managed to so far release a new album every two years pretty much you know to schedule mm -hmm. um but you know what was it like you know when when the pandemic hit hit and obviously you knew this album was coming out and and everything you know um not to make us relive the, the terrible times for too no, long but but of course you know um yeah how did it feel for you and obviously i'm guessing as you sort of touched on it was just a 
a cleansing exercise almost to, to put signs of life together and get that out yeah so um I, I wouldn't try and explain it from any of the other guys um perspective because they'll have their own um personal thoughts i guess about what it what it was like for them but for me it was kind of a there was two things really because i became a father three months before lockdown and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened yeah. to me you know you know like you'll know that being a father you know it's, it's but it's a transition isn't it you know yeah that you, that you go on which is very gradual for some well it was for me i can't you know say that it's like that for everyone maybe it isn't um but for me it was it was like a gradual transition from one part of my life into another part of my life um and then obviously lockdown created a kind of strange new scenario where i couldn't see my family like so many people and you know so it became i guess what i'm saying is it became insular there was this ray of hope and optimism around me which was radiating from my son which i'm supremely grateful to the universe for and i know um, my other half is um but i write songs every day um i always have and you know i work on music with mike for his project and i do film soundtracks and uh what have you and you know i'm about to work on another film soundtrack yeah a couple of weeks of the album uh is released um but the picture i'm trying to paint is that i just need to be creative I yeah just, it's just like my dad's a painter you know and it's just in the blood and you know um so uh, you know that's what i did and then so what i was left with was more material than i'd ever written in a, in, a, in a given sort of creative cycle which i'm familiar with the cycle you know you kind of i'm almost at the end of like the, the signs of life kind of part of my life and something is already sort of ascending into the, and then there'll be another asylum so um you know i just had a lot more material and i made a couple of choices which maybe um might help understand but I, I i wrote the songs in a slightly different way for the last two records um i've written like on piano and used different genres almost to write in like a song about like platitudes from genetic cabaret if you, if you ever heard the original demo that i personally made of that it sounds like a john carpenter soundtrack you know or something it's like really it's got an 808 on it and these really weird you know it's and it's still the same song but then what happened is like you know jazz will come over and we'll prize it open sometimes michael come over first but normally jazz and then when we've knocked it into shape i'll might re-demo it and then we'll send it to henry and mike and then they'll personalize it and so there's a bit yeah. of a like factory line i'm not saying we'll do that next time i think our intention is to maybe integrate even more you know between all of us you know um because of what we've learned on this record but on signs of life uh, uh a good friend of, of mine sent me an acoustic guitar uh by courier it's a very kind gesture i think it was like a kind of don't you know keep going man you know kind of a nice kind nurturing sort of uh act and um i just i wasn't kind of ready to start writing uh I think I was even promoting genetic cabaret still, you know, to yeah. work out what that would look like or even be. Um, but nevertheless, you know, kind of it was, it was staring at me and I got started and I, and I just went through this process of like writing a song a day, more or less. And I would get the basic gist of the song down in this really pure form without stylization or anything like that. 
and um, kind of have the broad strokes of lyrics, but I'd leave it unfinished on purpose. Um, and so I'd get to, I got, I think I got to a point where I, you know, I was, you know, I had a lot more than I needed. And then the restrictions were kind of eased and jazz was able to come over. And we literally were like two sort of, <laughs> we just kind of didn't, we were just like, hey man, like, and then we just go straight into it, just play the song like <laughs> 10 times and then like record some of them and, on a phone and then like next one. And then we just go, and, we, and he's really good at like, you know, um, selecting, you know, tunes to work on um you know he's just really good he's got like really good really good taste everyone in the band does but like he particularly is like he's an avid record collector he's like you should try you know let's look at that one so he did that and we would make these demos and then the restrictions came in again and we couldn't meet up and i so i made these demos which are drums bass gu guitars hum the melody and that would be more traditionally what i would do and then i would send them to him and then he'd spend a day just like i don't know what he was doing over there but he was walking around the house pacing around listening to him coming up with it all and and then he'd send me back it with a guitar on and then we just went back and forth like that till we had about maybe 16 17 that we were really into and then and then i wrote uh, some more words put a guide vocal down and then sent over to the boys, you know, kind of a bit of a plan for what we were hoping to do with the record. And then Henry started writing strings um, and Mike started developing bass lines and we would share some arrangement tweaks. And then it was about five rehearsals and then we were at Rockfield. Wow. wow. So it's, it, was, it was a logistical yeah. challenge. And of course, yeah. you know, um, I'm sure there's not a band out there that <clears throat> who's made music during this time, which wouldn't have experienced something <laughs> of that nature. But <clears throat> it, it's, you know, if you take, you know, sort of like the outside world out of it, I think, you know, really it was just, it was a unique way for us to work anyway. And um, I think maybe the songs are strong, you know, I th you know, I, they feel, they felt strong uh, yeah. when they were just on an acoustic. So, um, and I think everybody was able to pour what they had into them, including even right through to when we got to Dave, you know, and, and he had, you know, he was part of it. You know, it was, we would, I sent him to him and I think I did like a fucking PowerPoint presentation at one point, you know, about yeah. <laughs> the visual, visual side of things and what have you. So, um, well, there you go. That was kind of, yeah. uh, was the incubation and, 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 you know, general scenario. No, really insightful, really interesting to hear and everyone loves a PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a PowerPoint guy, but, uh, but, um, yeah, well, we've all been living in a laptop for quite some time. It's exactly this one um, to communicate an idea. <laughs> I'm a bit more of a kind of like just spew it out kind of guy. Oh yeah, no, yeah, the the pitfalls of the modern uh, age. Yeah, PowerPoint. I didn't but... have one of those pointy things or anything like that. Oh, I love a clicker. Yeah, you got to have a clicker definitely. Um, I'm going to get one. Yeah, with a laser on it as well. <laughs> um, so uh, obviously, you know the album is uh fantastic as i say you know our reviews gonna be coming out very short, shortly is and every single track is really really strong as you say you know which um yeah i wouldn't say surprised me because yeah you know, i wasn't surprised by the quality of it but yeah it, quite often these days you know artists will put out an album where you know you've got three four maybe five sort of strong singles and then the rest is almost you know your filler um but no really really strong album but one single that you've put out 
that has already garnered you know a lot of praise is instant coffee and obviously you know um it's a yeah it's a really enjoyable song which obviously listeners can check out on all the usual streaming sites already ahead of you know the album coming out um so i just want to talk to you a little bit about the the single you know instant coffee you know what what is that song about and how did that song in particular come together for you um well I find it sometimes hard to say what a song is about, but I would, my best attempt really with that one is just like um, about a feeling that I sometimes experience um, and was maybe more pronounced at the time I wrote the song. Um, I tend to sort of go through depressive cycles and then come out the other side and have a good patch and then I go back, you know, and I've been like that my whole life and I don't, you know, it's not, I wouldn't want to come across like to romanticize that in any way, shape or form. And, um but i don't know whether it just comes with the territory um of the kind of person i am or not um in fact i have no idea um but 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 because i probably have sleep deprivation through being a, a new father yeah and uh you know the general state of affairs you know worldwide was pretty unusual to say the least and scary um I got into a bit of a kind of existential what should I be doing kind of a headspace and who on earth am I I had when all these things that can you know make up my personality and psyche and identity and you know are not um with me you know in the in the same way that they have um and I just started sort of just you know it just started leaking out into songs and it just leaked out into that one. And, you know, I genuinely do drink a lot of instant coffee because I'm, I, everything with me, food and drink wise is last minute, you know, cause I'm always trying to do some two things at once or something. And I don't really, I need to probably get better at that, you know, as a person. So, you know, first thing I do in the morning, is just like staring, <laughs> just empty. Yeah. I don't even, you know, don't even know spoon, just empty it in and just fill it up. And it, you know, um, and so that kind of visualization of just that daily routine of just looking at that dark bottom of the cup and then just kind of thinking like, you know, what should I be doing in my life? And is it, am I going to be able to, you know, find a route through all this with music? And then I was sort of, you know, walking to the job I had at the time, you know, when we were able to, and I was sort of humming this melody and, you know, wastelands where we just earn a living and couldn't see anyone on the streets and, um thinking back through my life and my choices and think you know and so it was kind of coming and then there's a lot of people around me that I love were struggling and you know there's some of that in the chorus and I'm an empath I think as a person so I you know I was feeling bad for them you know <laughs> so all of this is not massively uplifting for me to tell you I, I I do realize that but it's not really coming from that place of trying to um you know uh trying to paint a picture of of a uh, trying to paint a morbid picture it's more like trying to share a feeling mm. of 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 feeling very removed from things and a sort of low presence of sadness and insecurity through art to try and see if people can relate and feel some comfort that they're not on their own with it was my intention oh and 
um yeah you got that intention uh right there you achieved it you know because you've just used the very word that was on the tip of my tongue it's relatable um you know we've all experienced a lot of you know those kind of emotions over the last couple of years uh in particular and obviously when there's a listener you can connect in that way to to a song obviously um it's instantly gonna you know just hold more with you and yeah um uh i think you know possibly that's a big reason you know why it's uh as well as just being a really good song you know obviously people are relating to it and um yeah it's uh it, obviously indicative of you know the, the qualities of the album as a whole um as far as you know enjoyability of the the music even if we take the the themes and whatnot out of it as quite in, in a way sort of um, I, could, I could enjoy it musically as well you know yeah um i think when like henry wrote such a great string arrangement um and like i said i didn't put the words on it until we fi had finished at rockfield i purposely didn't want to lock them in mm. and I, I so i wanted it to you know when we were making it to, it could go either way if you know what i mean because i don't think it sounds particularly sad the song as no as music it's it's that comes from like that kind of obviously the, you know there's a melancholy in there but it, yeah. you know, it's not major major chords and stuff in it you know kind of um you know and i think it's just that dichotomy really of like something that's quite up and quite has a euphoria to it um but there's a sadness in there too and it it, it reminds me of one of the early influences for the record <clears throat> for the record which kind of you mentioned the manix you know we were thinking of <coughs> we were thinking of everything must go at points you know because you know design for life's a great example it's got this euphoric up kind of triumphantness to it but you know there's all this great sort of commentary about difficult periods in wales and you know uh, it's beautifully you know uh beautifully done and uh, and you know and i think the same produ same producer as that record also made um yes by mccallman and butler and and I, we, we really we, we weren't listening to a lot of 90s music to be honest even though there's a lot probably comes through the band sometimes just given you know, I guess we're a four-piece rock band at heart with a kind of yeah. twist somewhere in there. You know, but um, but yeah, we 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 were certainly looking at for examples of like we didn't want to make a morbid record. We wanted to make a record which we hoped sincerely by the time it would come out would you know be quite sort of uh, would hopefully come out during the a period of a better period you know for everybody and you know we would always joke oh, i hope we get to you know play this at glastonbury you know and you know we did you know yeah. but it was but it, you know but it, again it, you know it was a different yeah. experience to you know it was the one where we all were coming back from this thing and i got covid at glastonbury <laughs> really <laughs> so did so did mike you know oh. and it's sort of like we come over with covid and so you know it's all it's all in the mix, you know, but, you know, definitely right early doors. I had a picture of like, um, you know, I always work from visual stimuli on in my, I'm in my studio now, um, you know, and, and I always have kind of like, just to remind me, you know, my dad's a painter. I come from that thing of him having reference material glued up all around, like, the, you know, the, the, you know, I used to have this tiny room he'd work in in this bungalow we would live in and, <laughs> you know, it'd just be like reference material everywhere, you know. And so I, I definitely, have, you know, I learned that skill from him and I, I and I still use it. And so, you know, you know, the McCallman and Butler thing was up, you know, there was like pictures of like Stipe and pictures of kind of um, countryside, you know, AI machinery, you know, yeah, there was, there was kind of like National Geographic front covers. There was kind of, um, 
you know, Daniel Johnston stuff, you know, mixtures of really human things, really organic, you know, even just like, you know, just pictures of nature and stuff, but then like having like, you know, like that AI hand, you know, in the, in the on the cover, it's like, just, I don't know, I guess, you know, that was kind of, I was trying to evoke some of that and, yeah. in, the, in the words eventually and try and find a way to let it seep into the music too. I don't know if we were successful, but you know. I'd like to think so, definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, speaking of the visual side of things as well, it should just brief, briefly be noted that, you know, there's a really good video for the track that listeners can um, check out on YouTube. Um, and you must be really proud of how it turned out. Um, and you worked with uh, Andrew Delaney and JJ Eringer uh, on the video. Um, so yeah, you, I say you must be proud of how it turned out. Yeah, we, you know, we've done th uh, four videos so far. Um, and uh, the way that we kind of do things is like, you know, I'd sketch things out uh, normally and um, and then we'll work with a collaborator, Andy, JJ, and my dad, um, who does uh, the front cover, did the, did the front cover and has done all our front covers and, you know, um, and we kind of collaborate on that together in, in way, you know, I, I can't do what he does, you know, he's amazing, <laughs> but, you know, I can certainly present a, a kind of like primitive yeah of it and um and so it's like that with andy as well who's a good friend of mine and jj has become a great friend uh, of mine through this period we've worked to get up together on a lot of stuff um and uh yeah i would consider andy to be one of my best friends now and um you know he's a joy to work with he comes from you know he's made you made like Lauren Hills do up that thing. And, you know, um, I don't quite know how our paths crossed in life. It's quite <laughs> peculiar sometimes how this thing, but we had a lot of stuff in common, you know, just personal stuff. And just, we're basically like glorified art students at the end of the day, you know, that just love the research period and incubation of, of ideas and um, share that, you know, through, through the work we've, we've done with the band. So, it's a it's a massive part of it you know for us you know coming being the being the son of a kind of you know a painter and you know and um you know i, I think you know everything from comic book culture through to you know kind of you know you know regular visits to the tate and the tate modern as a kid and collecting visual art my whole life uh, it's been a lot it's been a joy and continues to be a joy to sort of try to crowbar in as many strange references <laughs> into asylums uh <laughs> as asylums campaigns as humanly possible you know some of which may not uh you know land and so yeah. well, but uh but nevertheless you know kind of it's fun and ultimately that's what it's what it's all about isn't it you know you, you're doing this because it's what you're passionate about and you know hopefully it's, it's, it's fun um and yeah uh speaking of fun obviously you know you've got the album coming out you've got some album release shows that you're going to be playing around that as well london yeah. bournemouth southampton portsmouth um you know uh obviously what should uh drive people to go and attend them you know what should they expect uh from those album release shows very difficult to quantify but, uh, <laughs> but uh, um well you know we we opted to do um like a headline set at rough trade east <clears throat> because it, we could make it a free show um plus we love rough trade east and regularly shop there um and just they've been very supportive on the record the rough trade team and we're grateful for that because we're big as i say big fans not only the shop but just their whole history and stuff so 
um yeah we wanted to put something on where like, under such difficult circumstances for everybody including us you know we didn't want to like be like please come to our show and spend x amount of money and stuff and so if people can't afford to buy the record uh that's they can come and see us and they can stream it and if they can't um afford to stream it we've made all of our back catalog available for free to download on our music glue website so you can at least you know if you're interested in the band you can get all that for free even if you don't have a streaming subscription um uh and so what can you expect i mean just like you know like normal with us really just sort of uh, uh you know th four complete misfits uh just sort <laughs> of looking partially nervous and partially excited just doing random body movements and trying to cling on to the melody and musical parts for dear life um and just try not to say anything's too stupid and try not to break anything really you know and um that's normally uh asylums uh live and you know we just give it everything man and, and always have on stage and there's such long periods between playing sometimes that, yeah you know the battery is not only full it's kind of leaking all over the place so <laughs> it just, you know, someone needs to just urgently put it in a uh, appliance and turn it on <laughs> so that's what will happen and then the ones after that uh are kind of um smaller stores but equally as beautiful and so we're going to do a, a week of of kind of acoustic versions i mean jazz always do do some of those you may or may not be aware but we have probably ever since the second album yeah it's kind of like duo thing and we do a bit of like you know kind of it's a different you know renditions of the tunes and explore you know a little bit of maybe like you know kind of spoken word elements of it and and just sort of show things in a different light and talk a little bit and you know just i think you know it won't be a slick show it'll be a kind of um pretty pretty raw um <laughs> it just kind of exposed the, the 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 kind of nuts and bolts of what we do yeah. in a different way which is always nice and then sort of do a little bit of um we've got some radio sessions um some quite uh, some quite big things to do there that are coming up um and then we'll kind of take a view on touring around that point um and you know firstly see if people um have enjoyed the record uh, or yeah. are enjoying the record because we never take it for granted that they will uh and, and if and if and if that there and if there's demand there we'll we'll, we'll go and play it for people um and, and do some festivals next summer and stuff but I've got to admit, you know, uh, the kind of, as I mentioned before, yeah. then there's something else is sort of manifesting and Mike and I were in the car coming back from rehearsal yesterday and even then we were kind of like, you know, like I could imagine sort of doing something like this and, you know, so who knows, man, maybe there'll be another record before too long. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be disappointed if there was, certainly um, certainly with the quality of um, Signs of Life, you know, and, and the run that you guys are on, um, both you know, with Asylums and your side projects. I mean, you, you mentioned, obviously, Bait earlier, who we featured over on our Discover New Music playlist um, not too long ago now. Um, and obviously, listeners, you know, if you enjoy Asylums, you should check out, you know, the likes of Bait and, you know, everything that's coming out through Cool Thing Records uh, as well. Um, so... Just on the Cool Things records, you know, and obviously having just mentioned, you know, Discover New Music podcast that we also put out, uh, you know, uh, the, the question that jumps to my mind would be, you know, 
what have you got coming up with with cool things calling records you know that you know we should be keeping our finger on it and obviously um getting excited about in the near future there's a very cool band called suspects um who are coming back after a quite a break that have an amazing song called wasted precious time which is out um in the next week and a half but we'll you know be on the airwaves this weekend um that's a great track and you know uh, when you hear a tune by a band that have had a little they've been away for a bit and it's just like they're just like molten, <laughs> it's molten do you know what i mean it's just yeah. Like, yeah. i was like yeah man like this is great <laughs> um when i heard it and so there's that and then from there we go to there's a new single uh by the wonderful blab um uh, which is um a wonderful act which we've worked with for, for a while now um first track from a from a, a series of uh, releases that she's planning. Um, and then we'll have some more from Becky Margaret. There's an EP. There's two more EPs to come into in 23. There's an album by uh, A Cause in Distress, which is just excellent, you know, like young band that are just sort of, um, have really just found their sound, I suppose, and are working out how to uh, get it across live. And so they're doing that now and we're setting things up for next year for them. and. You know, um, you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be more music from from Bait, maybe some more from Asylums. But you know, our our, our hearts and heads are definitely kind of um, with those acts that I just mentioned, um, and, and the Horseheads. I should I shouldn't uh, admit as well that they have a wonderful track coming out um, in the new year that we can't wait to put out too. So yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be busy, you know. Yeah, certainly. And I look forward to hearing them all. And, you know, you deserve an enormous amount of credit, you know, you and the team with Cool Thing Records, because, um, you know, with Discovery Music, we're huge advocates for, for young bands, new bands. Uh, it's a really difficult climate out there for musicians trying to break into the world. And as you said, you don't start a record industry, a record company to make money, really, do you? So yeah, you deserve uh, enormous um, plaudits, you know, for the work that you do with Cool Thing Records. I appreciate it and I you know I have to shout out the bands as well and, and the artists that I mentioned for their resilience and sticking with us as well because there's a lot we can't do you know and um you know I just in the at the end of the day what it comes down to is positive reinforcement I think of like if you have self-doubt issues which I most certainly have had my whole life it is never a bad thing for someone to back you up and um that's really what we're trying to do uh, and just collaborate. Most of those artists could easily release their own records and, and you know, and, but, we, but through doing it together, there's a sense of community hope, you know, that, you know, kind of creates a place where we can share ideas and find the best possible outcome for the situation we find ourselves, you know? Yeah, no, certainly. Um, and, you know, like we say, it is great. And, and this, this, the people, you know, especially at the grassroots that, you know, make this industry what it is. Uh, and in the not too distant future, we have Independent Venue Week coming up. So um, everyone that um, I'm interviewing um, between now and then, I'm just getting their uh, thoughts. And, you know, what, what is your favourite, you know, independent uh, venue? You know, what venue would you like to give a shout out to? Well, there's a few, there's a few, <laughs> and I, I wouldn't want to admit anyone from my hometown because <laughs> I know everyone that works in them and they all graft. So I love Chinneries. Um, yeah. South and Seafront. Um, Hayley from Cool Thing works at a wonderful venue called 21 on the Seafront, which is also great. 
very much miss uh, the railway hotel, um, the old team that were there. They were wonderful people. And I believe there's a new team there. I haven't left the house too much recently. So <laughs> I need to quite, you know, but there are, you know, we love, um, you know, there's venues in Brighton that we love. There's venues in Manchester that we love. I think, you know, all I would really say is just if you've kept a venue open um, during the last few years and uh, you would have had to go through some tough times, I know that. And it, I don't have nothing but love, admiration and, you know, just gratefulness to the fucking universe that yeah. those kind souls that have kept going, you know, for their communities have just managed to do it because, you know, these are incredibly difficult times. Nobody needs me to say that. And, um, you know, sometimes I feel like it's a miracle, you know, if, if anything um, remains intact, you know. So, yeah, I just love the idea of celebrating all those independent venues out there and um, and getting into, you know, uh, the mass consciousness, you know, just kind of just how important they are. You know, when I was a young kid, I was selected to um, play in the City Festival, which was like an A&R festival up in um, Manchester. Um, and I was studying media at the time, I think, and had no idea what I was doing. And that kind of changed my life and made me feel, oh, maybe I've got something to offer musically. I subsequently come back and f formed a band and studied music and then kind of found myself as in part of a scene and... Um, I suppose what I'm trying to say is like, you know, if, if that hadn't have happened and if the scene hadn't been there when I got back after having that revelation, I don't know what I'd be doing, man, you know, so, you know, it, it never dulls that kind of memory and yeah, you know, I'm a prime candidate for being a lost soul, but I'm not because of those things, you know. Yeah, no, they're very special um, places, our independent venues, and, you know, they play uh, an enormous role in the ecosystem of the industry. You know, you don't just jump straight into Headline and Wembley Stadium, you know, the likes of Ed Sheeran and Adele. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought explode just through nerves. <laughs> yeah, true, very true. Um, but, you know, all the, all the global superstars out there have had to, you know, mo most of them anyway, have certainly ha had to earn some stripes um, playing these venues and, and yeah, um, for their communities, you know, they're, they're vital. Um, so, um, no, really, really uh, um, interested to, to, to get that chat in with everyone coming, going forward. And Chinneries in particular, a venue that I've frequented sometime uh, in the past uh, and a great little venue. Uh, so, yeah. Um, thank you so much, Luke, for obviously for giving you time for joining us on the podcast. Um, listeners, obviously, make sure you are checking out Signs of Life. Yeah, you, know, you can stream it when it's out uh, in all the usual places, and you can um, go to Cool Things Records, obviously, and buy physical copies of it as well. Which obviously, I know the band would greatly appreciate if 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 listeners could do that, even in these difficult times. Um, obviously, the the way that we all stay in touch these days social media uh, and i like to finish off by reading out the handles so uh, you know, people that have enjoyed this podcast and aren't following um asylums you need to get onto instagram and facebook at asylums uk and on twitter asylums band um and of course um yeah there you'll be able to stay in touch with everyone coming up from the bands including any potential live shows so um yeah excellent thank you again luke for joining us what would be your final message for for the listeners today peace and love and I think there's no better final message than that. So, no, thank you very much, Luke. Take it easy, brother. And thanks so much. Um, appreciate it.
Well, thank you everyone for listening. I really do hope you enjoyed that chat there with Asylums. Be sure to check out their new album, Signs of Life. And of course, follow the band on social media. You can also follow Full Pelt on social media. We're on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And if you would, finally, please do hit that like button, hit that subscribe button wherever you're watching or listening. And we'll be back very soon for another episode of the Full Pelt Music podcast. Oh, 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 oh,